When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So if you're paying attention to the NFL Top 100 list, Justin Fields is coming in at 86. And one of the most significant parts of that is the fact that he was voted ahead of Trevor Lawrence and our friends down in Duval County, very upset by this. And they're upset at me. And they're upset at Bears fans and the media and everything. But you know what the funny thing is? The players vote for this. And if you're upset with anybody, talk to the players. And this could end up being a popularity contest. This could be a thing where, hey, we're just voting for our... I don't care what it is, but it's not up to us. It's what the players on the field are talking about. And you think about you know, some of the things that we've heard from Justin Jefferson and Darius Slay and some of the other guys around the NFL. They truly fear... Justin Fields and for a team that won just three games last season for a team that supposedly isn't very good. The players seem to think that their quarterback is very good at putting him at number 86 ahead of Trevor Lawrence. And of course there will be other quarterbacks on this list ahead of him, which will be Mahomes and Justin Herbert, who just signed a new contract and players like that. But I think it's a sign of respect. And as much as everybody who's a troll on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is for everybody that sits there and, and talks ass, and wants to say that Justin Fields can't throw and he's not a good player. The players rebuke that entirely. And so, and if you have a problem with that, then uh, talk to the players who are voting on that. But listen, we got a great show for you tonight. A lot of cool things. Training camp is just getting underway. So, Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means? It is time for Take It to the Rank. Wonderful show. As I said, the Bears are ready. They're right there on the cusp of training camp to begin the 2023 season. And it's fitting that this all falls on Walter Payton's birthday, the best player in Bears history. To my estimation, the best player in NFL history. If Justin Fields and Saquon Barkley were were one person, that would be Walter Payton. And it's funny, I think about this because my dad, who, who lived a long time, and he saw pretty much everybody. He might not have seen Red Grange, but I'm thinking like even in his lifetime, Bronco Nagurski was there, Gail Sayers, all these great players, Sid Luckman, like Buckus, all the defensive greats, Bill George, McAfee, like all these great players. My dad saw them all. His favorite player was Walter Payton, 
No, it not based on any generation or anything like that, but Walter Payton was by far his best player. So we celebrate his birthday here today. Uh, we still miss him to this day, and uh, it's been great to have Jared Payton on to talk about his father as well. So it's fitting that we're getting started. The season is getting underway on Walter Payton's birthday. And joining us right now uh, from foxsports.com, it's the great Carmen Vitale joining us. Carmen, how are you living and uh, where are you living? What's going on? <laughs> can we disclose your location or are we not allowed? Yeah, to we, can disclose, we can disclose my location. Um, I'm actually in Jacksonville, Florida and will be going to see the person that apparently is very upset that Justin Fields finished ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence, tomorrow at Jags practice in their brand new facility. So I'm actually pretty excited about it. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, don't let everybody know. Well, you hate Justin Fields as much as they do. So I think it'll all. I'm joking. I'm joking. Everybody but thinks I, I do, though. That's, that's, that's the crazy part. I know. I, I, I lean into it a little bit. But the one thing, you know, I, I really like Trevor Lawrence. I have nothing against him. I don't know why people were voting. Uh, we're not really like why he's not higher on the list. But what do you suppose? Like, what do you think the thing is? When you think about this, like, obviously, a part of it is a popularity contest. But do you make the. I'm I'm curious if the players make a bigger deal about this than anybody else as the fans do. Does it does it seem to matter to anybody? I mean, so to take you behind the curtain a little bit how these top 100 lists work, basically a roster sheet 1 through 100 gets given to each player at their locker in the locker room and it's up to them whether they want to fill it out or not. And they do and I mean some guys maybe don't um so it's one of those things where it's hard to say exactly what goes into their perception but there is some merit to it given the fact that it is only nfl players that vote in the top 100 and i think it speaks to the fact that justin field's skill set is such a like it's it it varies so much and he's so hard to defend as a quarterback because of his running ability and i think everybody kind of knows that if he puts it all together like he's going to be a force essentially and and he's going to confuse a lot of defenses and present a lot of problems and matchup problems for defenses if he can put this all together yeah you know and it's one of those things too like anytime that the major league baseball all-star game comes around and the fans are obviously voting for this and you get these these fevered fan bases that come out of the woodwork and they'll vote for their player and whether he deserves it or not ends up getting voted into the all-star game. That's not the case here with the NFL's top 100, because as you said, the players are doing it. And some, I, th I feel like sometimes that some teams are more active than others, which can play into it. But I think that Justin Fields, perhaps because he went to Ohio state is so beloved in the NFL. It also helps to work out in his favor. Now, one of the things about Ohio state uh, was there the championship mindset of them. And we saw this on Tuesday as the bears reported a training camp, well, we got the, uh, an opportunity to listen to Ryan Poles speak. We got to listen to Matt Aberflus, the quarterback, the receiver, some of the defensive backs. Ryan Poles was talking. He had some interesting things to say. He said, I don't want to put a ceiling on what we can be, but I know our goal is to always win the division to be a championship caliber team. I'm happy with where we're at right now and where we're going. But Ryan Poles also had this to say. So, if Sammy, if you can uh, pull up the sound, let's listen to Ryan Poles talking about where this team is at setting high expectations. And you've talked in the past about building a championship mindset with this group. When you articulate that to players, what, what are you pushing for, for them in terms of that, that championship mindset? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think you got to boil it down in terms of just, you know, mastering your craft first. Um, and I think that then bleeds into the entire unit 
and 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 looking at yourself and being honest with yourself, where's my strengths, where's my struggles, and really attacking those struggles to improve the game. And then it's a mentality of I think you got to have that confidence to. You know, I want to walk into the stadium and our team to walk into the stadium believing that they can win football games and not hoping. That is one of the big things. Believing that they can win those games, not just hoping. Is it a matter of last year, you know, the Bears lost eight one-score games? Is it a matter of, like, building momentum? Or just Like, if the, if the Bears would have won that game against the Commanders, do you think that could have set aside a chain of events that would have led them to winning more games? Or how does that usually work with teams? Yeah, I think it can go a long way as to building up their confidence. One of the things that Ryan Poles said during his press conference about what he wanted Justin Fields in particular to get better at was the two-minute drill. And there was a lot of games last season where you didn't see the Bears and Justin finish drives, finish games out, even though they were within one score and the game was winnable. And that's something that's very tangible and very easy to work on in this offseason. I mean, Almost every practice includes some sort of situational drill, some sort of two-minute drill, and that seems to be an emphasis. And once you start winning those kinds of situations and that turns into wins in the win column, then yeah, I mean, that that creates some sort of momentum. It at least creates and maybe maybe more than creates, justifies the belief that you have in this team. Because right now, this this team doesn't seem very short on belief in themselves uh, this offseason, but when you do pull out those one score games, those tight games, and you're able to win that reinforces everything that you've been working for. And then that can have a snowball effect for sure. It's a Ted Lasso situation where you just believe and it kind of just permeates the thing. And I, I, I will say this too, cause I will defend myself in a little bit in the fact that I really do believe that Justin Fields has the ability to be a winner on the NFL level. I think so going back to his time in college, I thought coming into the draft, Outside of, I, I had Trevor Lawrence as the number one guy. I'm not a lunatic, but I also felt that Justin Fields was right there at number two and feel like he can be that quarterback. But it is fair to say that, well, now you have to start winning these games. And when you thought about last year and some of the situations where the Bears didn't come through, I didn't always necessarily feel like it was Justin Fields' fault. Like sometimes I would watch Equinemius St. Brown and I would be like, are you playing football or volleyball? You look like Sinjin Smith trying to set the ball to Randy Stoklos, or maybe it's vice versa. Misty May out there, like, catch the football. And there were times where guys would fumble, like unheard of practice squad guys making a nice catch against Minnesota and then fumbling the bag. And you're just like, I, there's just nothing that's going to happen. I think that DJ Moore can can change a lot of that. And, yeah. and I, I hope that he can change a lot of that. And speaking of which, DJ Moore and Justin Fields did take the microphone today. So, uh, or on Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, let's take yeah. a listen to what they had to say. But, like, come from where I came from, I just want to win. Here, everybody wants to win. The whole main goal in the NFL is to win. So go above 500, make the playoffs, and start the postseason 0-0 and go from there. That's the main goal. Same thing. I think, you know, everybody around here has the same goal. So, uh, yeah, not necessarily – Writing goes, but we all know what the ultimate goal is, and that's to win the Super Bowl. So, like like BJ said, just, you know, 500 uh, or better in the season and make the playoffs and go from there. So, um, but of course, you know, everybody knows what the ultimate goal is, and that is to win a, uh, a Super Bowl. So, and we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, going back to two seasons ago, three seasons ago, when the Buffalo Bills acquired Stephon Diggs, it had a huge impact on Josh Allen. 
last year, A.J. Brown helps out Jalen Hurts. Is it fair to think that D.J. Moore can have that kind of impact for the Bears and that they can start doing those goals? And they, they set aside a, a very attainable goal of, of winning, of being above 500. But do you think that D.J. Moore can have that kind of impact? D.J. Moore can have the individual effect on Justin Fields that all of those other guys had with Jalen Hurts, with Josh Allen. I don't know that it's going to translate necessarily into wins right away, just given the fact that the Bears as a whole – aren't as well off as say the Eagles were last year. I mean, they were really a player away. They were AJ Brown away from being a a totally incomplete roster. That's not the case for the bears, but for Justin Fields individual numbers, we've seen DJ Moore be so productive with subpar quarterback play back in Carolina. He strung together three 1100 yard seasons back to back to back with a myriad of guys throwing him the football, a lot of which are not starters in the league currently, even though they're not old or they didn't retire or anything like that. I mean, he had Kyle Allen and and the Bears backup, PJ Walker, and an aging Cam Newton. I mean, these were the guys that were throwing him the football and he was still being productive. So you have to think that with a guy that is finally, has a little bit of consistency in this offense in that he's going into a second year in, in, in an offensive system for the first time in his career. He has the familiarity with Luke Getze, with the system, you have to think that they're going to be able to put up numbers. And it seems like from what we've heard from both offensive and defensive players that Justin Fields and DJ Moore have a ton of chemistry already. And they've been working together this offseason, not only in the offseason program, but then DJ Moore was down in Miami with Justin uh, just a couple of weeks ago when Justin had all of his receivers down and, and to work out with them on their own time in the summer when they have, you know, that's the time they're supposed to use for their families and to take vacations. Yeah. And instead these guys were working. So if that all materializes and that lives up to the hype that bears players have placed on it, uh, Justin Fields numbers are going to go up. He's going to have a lot more production and that's going to go a long way in determining whether or not he's the future of the franchise. But couldn't you also say though, you know, you talk about the one score games that they lost the, the two minute drill, trying to get better. If they get better in the two minute drill, and DJ Moore is that like, doesn't that just me? I mean, can't you expect an uptick in wins if you went from, and I, I know that you've, you've set the bar at like seven wins, but of those eight, one score games that they win half of those, they're now a seven win team. I think that, you know, that, that does translate to wins. Yeah. And again, I think that speaks to how well DJ Moore has been able to do in those pressure situations, in situations where he was the one having to adjust. He was the one kind of, creating separation and making it easy on his quarterback in those situations in particular, that's going to come in handy. And DJ Moore has already proven he can do that. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see if he can get into the end zone more and that re- results in actual points. Cause if there's one concern with DJ Moore, it's that he's had these 1100 yard seasons, but only scored four touchdowns uh, across the season last year. He had seven touchdowns, which, which was a career high for him. And so you want, all of that production to translate ultimately into points because that's what's going to win you the game. But in those situations, it does seem like Justin's going to be able to have a very reliable number one receiver that he can throw up the 50, 50 ball to, and DJ Moore is going to come down with it. You know, now you're starting to sound like a fantasy football enthusiast uh, talking about the touchdowns. Uh, he was on a team with CMC with Cam Newton touchdown yeah. vultures. Like you're gonna, you're not gonna be like the ultimate touchdown guy, and I, I think that it's even fair to think like, even with this team, you know, you could have Chase Claypool scoring touchdowns or Bob Tunyon yep. or Cole Komet. Yep. They could run the football. Justin Fields is gonna call his own number a little bit too, but you know, I, I just hope that he all the way around that he helps out 
and then I translate that when they're in two minute drills. I, I hope that that's going to be the case. Like when we need to move the sticks, DJ yeah. Moore is going to be there. DJ Moore will be there. He's going to keep us on the field. That's going to be very important. Um, off, also, defensively, though, uh, Eddie Jackson recently came out and said that, you know, he wants to have the best season a safety has ever had. And, of course, as you would expect, on Tuesday he was asked about it. We have his response right here. Sammy? One of the best seasons ever played by a safety. And then he said, mark my words. What what uh, prompted you to, to tweet that, and what is the thinking there? Just the mindset, you know, the mindset, you know, you got to speak it into existence. Uh, like I said, last year I came off injury, you know. I wanted to put that staple, you know, stamp that in last year, but I, was, I wasn't able to finish that. So this year, man, having guys like Trey and the key pieces we have on defense, man, and I feel like it's just going to be one of those years. You know, sometimes you just got to bet on yourself. And, you know, I feel like if I bring my best, you know, other guys going to bring their best, and that's what's going to help the team, you know. So, like I said, it's all about turning this thing around, you know. It's the off season. It's old now. It's back in the training camp. It's a little bit of hyperbole. What do you make of those comments? Because I, as a, as a person who's the, the eternal optimist, I love it. And I know that like, what else is he going to say? But I really do think that there is something to be said about him being a leader and making these kind of statements. Speak it into existence must be the Bears motto for this offseason <laughs> in, in general, because all of the guys have seemed to have adopted this attitude of, proclaiming their belief in this team, despite the fact that they're coming off a three win season, which I mean, you always want your guys to have confidence. And it does seem like that is a result of the culture that Matty Berflus and Ryan Poles have built, which is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wonder if it keeps up throughout the rest of the year, even if they do lose some games, but having guys like Eddie Jackson, who is a leader on the team, he was a defensive captain after Ropon and uh, Robert Quinn were traded last year having him have this belief and saying these things out loud, if he continues this energy, if he keeps this energy up, then that's going to kind of trickle down to the rest of the team. So you do want your leaders to kind of be loud in their belief of the team, because I think that helps other guys believe as well. But it's very interesting because I just, I, all we've heard from all of these guys is how much they believe in this team. And when, especially from a national perspective, no one's really giving them a shot. No. And I love that. Except for you, Adam, except for you. Except for me, no, I wasn't. I wasn't even taking that the wrong way. I was, but I I do like that, you know. And it is a mindset, you know. I know I make a lot of golf analogies, but it is one of those things where, like, if you tell people that you're poor at putting, you're gonna miss a lot. You're gonna rim out a lot of putts. Like, you're just not gonna be able to convert. But if you tell people that, oh, I can putt, like I can make putts, or if you have confidence, like it, it's such a different mindset of going into a situation like that where you're like. You don't want to fear anything. And I think that's the one great thing about the bears. It's like, they don't fear putting these statements out into the universe, especially like for, for, for Eddie Jackson, for talking about, you know, playing the best, best season, a safety has ever played for somebody who was maligned last year for being, you know, injured for the thing about like wanting to make plays and not necessarily work on tackling to make those kind of statements. It's very telling for Justin Fields, you know, to come out and say like, I want to throw, I want to be that 4,000 yard passer. Like a lot of people are like, what is he supposed to say? But you're also like at the same time, like Justin Fields could just have been like, I, I want to win. I'm not worried about statistics, things. Or, but no, he came out and was like, no, nah, this is something that I really want to do. Uh, we did make a TikTok and Instagram on this uh, where I talk about it, what he would have to do to make this happen. So if you want to check that out on the social media pages, I won't bore you here. But, you know, that they, I, I like that they're taking that approach. Um, so I, I'm happy to see it. And I'm glad that this is going to be a mantra 
for the Bears. But moving on, Chase Claypool. This is going to be an interesting one because I swear to you, I was so morose when he was on the pup list. And I wasn't, I wasn't personally worried. I didn't think it was going to be an issue, but I know what it looks like as a perception. You don't want him on the pup list. Like I, I just don't want to, I don't want to see it in my mentions or anything like that. But he miraculously came off the pup list. He's ready to go. Um, I don't know. Like I it it's terrible that this affects my life so much but like <laughs> what was going on like why was he on it and then not on it like explain it explain the pup list to me because even as somebody who works in the nfl i don't quite get it you worked for a team please explain what the pup what what is going what happened what 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 just happened the i mean the the pup list is essentially a way for them to give these guys rest and and not take chances with them but also be able to activate them at any time and when you have an inflated roster for training camp it just doesn't mean much because you have 90 90 spots on your roster so it doesn't matter that because when you're on the pup list you're still considered on the active roster you're an active player that's why you can come off at any time and when you have this at this point in the year there's just not a lot of downside to putting a guy on pup because you can take them on you can take them off all that other stuff. And it's just a way to kind of make sure that they are where they're supposed to be. I mean, that's the thing is like Chase Claypool, it doesn't sound like lives in Chicago. So they wanted to, sounds like they wanted to get him back in the building. This is my guess. This is, I don't know this for sure, but like from working for a team in the Your building. Conjecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my conjecture. It sounds like they wanted to get a, an evaluation on him before they made any decisions on if he was going to start practicing right away. And they wanted their doctors on him and they wanted to give him their, like the physical and all that kind of stuff. And that takes time, especially when you're trying to be cautious with a guy that is injury prone. So to me, that's what it seems like again, just, just my conjecture. Um, But that's, that would explain why you see him come off of it after a day. There's just not a whole lot of downside to putting a guy on there. And it sounds like, this has been a nagging issue. It sounds like it's been a knee issue because that's Justin Fields kind of let it slip that when they were working out in Florida, he he threw to him for a little bit and then his, his Chase Claypool's knee ended up bothering him. So it sounds like it's a knee issue. Those are definitely not things to, you know, take lightly. So I, I was never worried about it though, either. Right. Even when they went on the pup list, I was like, okay, again, we're still a long way away from week one. And there's just not a whole lot of incentive to push these guys quite yet, especially when it sounds like Chase and Justin were making up for some lost reps in minicamp over the summer in their own time. So I was okay with that. If I had never heard of, you know, Chase going down and we didn't see him go down and throw with Justin or and catch, That's you know, true, yeah. I would have been a little bit more concerned, but he's not missing a ton of reps now. And especially with the experience he got last season, I think he should be, uh, he should be fine. I was never worried. I was a lot of, a lot no, but, to do about nothing. Well, there's dumb people on the internet and we have to sit here and listen to it. And I, I could easily just shut it off. Uh, I feel like I've done it a, a pretty nice job of that, but at the same time, it's like, I just don't want to hear it. And I, I feel like the bears have always like, you know, they have these missteps. So it, it feels like a very cautious approach of just making sure that they can get a look on it. The, the, listening to what you're saying, it all seems to make sense. Now I want to know though, if if I could be on the pup list, like if Ryan pulls, like I'm physically unable to perform um, and they could, they could activate me whenever they want, but I, I just want to be on the pup list and be like, Oh yeah, you know what? I was, I'm on the bears pup list. I might, I might put that in my Twitter bio or I'm sorry, my X bio. Um, I'm on the perpetually annually on the pup list 
but unfortunately, uh, that probably won't be the case. In any event, uh, there was also some other news uh, from these press conferences, the open training camp. Ryan Poles, of course, was asked by the uh, about the pass rusher position. Now, there had been some rumors over the last couple of days. People had been piquing their interest, like perhaps there was something in the works. Perhaps a free agent was joining the team. Perhaps there was a trade being made. And so I'm going to ask you this. Uh, we, we've talked about this at the show. Uh, we've talked about this on this show. A, a great link. And you even mentioned it. Uh, a moment ago when you're talking about DJ Moore is like there are teams like the 49ers and the Eagles who are making different moves from the bears because they're just that much closer to the Super Bowl and it doesn't always make sense. We're not quite on that level. Um, and you know, it might not make sense for us to get a lot of draft capital, but at the same time, two years, three years, 2018, the bears made a move to get Khalil Herbert and to bring him in. It was late August. And Ryan Pace at the time had looked and been like, oh, this team's close. Let's go out and let's get Khalil Mack. What do you think is going to happen with the Bears about this based on what Ryan Poles was talking about today? He didn't necessarily rule out bringing in a veteran, but it also sounded like he wants the guys who are here to take a step forward. What was your read on the situation? It sounded to me that Ryan Poles had been in contact with some other free agents and trying to get a deal done mm. because Ryan Poles is one of those guys where he's actually a pretty transparent if you know how to kind of read between That's the lines. That's true. With him. That is true. And it was in what he didn't say, he wouldn't commit to, or he said something along the lines today about essentially like taking two to tango. That's me paraphrasing, but like it takes two to tango. So it didn't sound like they hadn't signed someone for lack of the Bears trying. It sounded like they just hadn't found someone to kind of play ball with them. And mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense because if you look like a, at a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, he's going to command, first of all, he's going to command a higher salary, you know, in the mm -hmm. range of like 13, 14, 15 million a year. And he's going to want to go to a contender right away because he that's he's in his window. He's in the prime of his, like some of the prime years of his career. He's probably a little bit on the decline at this point, but he has a lot to contribute. So I don't see the Bears going after a guy like Yannick Ngakwe. Now, if you want to talk like Justin Houston, who might come at a price tag between three to five million a year, and just kind of, especially with all of the experience he has the different teams he's been on he could really add to the locker room just from an experience perspective on top of being able to add depth to a very thin position for the Chicago Bears so I think that it's kind of trying to find that sweet spot and Ryan Poles just has not found that player to play ball that he's willing to pay for that's willing to come to the Bears knowing that they're still at least a couple of years away from real contention I find that very interesting because I hearing you say that like, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. They're looking, they're trying to perhaps they're trying to do it. Let's say that they get into camp. Now, again, going back to what happened in 2018. And I know that Ryan Pace kind of always inflated, like how good he thought the bears were, but it was a very important move to go get Khalil Mack. Is there a situation that perhaps, you know, they go through these, they go through training camp, they go through maybe a preseason game or two. And then they evaluated like, oh, we're better off. Like we're further along than we thought they were going to be. Could there be a possibility that like maybe they do take a bigger move, like not necessarily trading for Chase Young or somebody like that, but like, okay, we'll pay the money for Yannick and Gokwig. Could that be something that happens if the Bears find out like, oh, actually we're better than we thought we were? 
maybe is the best answer I can give you. I just, I don't see that happening though, because it's, again, that's not the only hole that the Bears have in pass rusher. They still need a little bit better of a rotation on the inside. And it definitely seems like Matt Eberflus wants to build his pass rush from the inside out, which makes a lot of sense in a 4-3 defense, but it just, it hasn't materialized that way. And they have to see how good their rookies are that they, you know, the two rookies that they took rookie defensive tackles to really see how much help they need along that defensive line. But like for my money, the only position group that I see that's pretty locked up is the linebacker spot or the linebacker room. I think that the bears, that's the strength of their defense. Even the secondary, we talked about it last week. I like the starters, but the depth, there's no depth and that's just not going to get you through a season. So I don't see there being a scenario where they're like, even if the players that they have faith in kind of, you know, su- substantiate that faith, they still just have so many holes that it doesn't make sense to go out and sign a $15 million pass rusher this year. And for what? And also, again, to Ryan Pohl's point, it takes two to tango. I don't think a guy that is commanding $15 million a year is going to want to go anywhere but a contender at this point. Yeah, That's that makes well. We, we, we thought that about DeAndre Hopkins and then he decided to go to the Titans. That was, that's so true. I was, I was shocked to see him yeah. go to the Titans. So you I never did that know. little uh, Simpsons gif of Homer's dad, like walking out of the oh, bar, back into yes. the bar, into the bar. And I was like, DeAndre Hopkins going from the Cardinals to the Titans. I, I recognize that the Titans are better than the Cardinals, but like as far as yeah. postseason hopes go, not by much. Very like, yeah, all of a sudden, like, oh, so you're not, you're not signing with the chiefs. Apparently that is a thing. But like, if I'm, if I am Yannick and Gakwe or somebody like that, and I've made a lot of money and I've, I don't necessarily need to go. Like I can't, I I don't have the luxury of being like, I'm going to take five months off. But if some player like that has that ability, like where I've, I've spent well, I've done okay. And I don't need to go work. Then I would wait. And if you see a team who's competitive need, have an absolute need, at the defensive, at the edge position or something like that. But I do, you know what? I The one thing that you said that I really do agree with is that Ryan Poles wants to build his his pressure front from the inside more so. That I think that a lot of outsiders always look at it like they need an edge rusher. Like, man, eh, they've kind of done a great job of like, or he's, or Matt Eberflus has done a great job of like creating pressure from the inside. And I think that. It's a big part of it. Yeah. And if Dom Robinson and, and Gibson, and we still have, you know, Robinson and Gibson, who could get better? So there's mm-hmm. there is the thing. So I, I I find it all very interesting. Although if we do make a big swing, I'm gonna take it as a we're farther along than people. And I will that'll be my that'll be my talking point. That'll be my that'll be my hot take. And uh you won't be able to talk me out of it. But one thing I do want to talk to you about, uh your area of expertise, obviously, in addition to the entire NFL. But when you really when you really drill down, you're our trench girl. You love to talk about the offensive line. I love this quote that Ryan Poles had about our first round draft pick, Darnell Wright. He said, This offseason, he busted his butt, Poles said. He lost weight. He lost body fat. He absolutely crushed his conditioning to conditioning test. Like he didn't break a sweat. He's focused. He cares. I love that Darnell Wright showed up. And if you want to go and check out the photos, he was in his it looked like he just broke up with his his girlfriend and he's got his revenge body going on. You got to be excited by the way that Darnell Wright showed up to training camp on Tuesday. 
Yeah, and I think that he, Darnell Wright is excited too, given the fact that he knows exactly where he fits in on this line. He knows exactly what's expected of him. That's not a luxury that Darnell Wright was afforded in college at Tennessee with all of the the turnover with the coaching staff and the amount of positions that he had to play. And now he finally gets into the league and has some consistency. He kind of married up with the Chicago Bears at the exact right time when they have consistency, they have continuity, they knew, you know, prior to minicamp, how this line was going to shake out. So Darnell Wright has been able to train all offseason now for, not all offseason, after the draft, has been has been able to train since the draft, knowing where he fits in. He's going to be that right tackle spot. And he has depth behind him too. And he's going to have guys that are going to push him. But this isn't anything new to him either. He's very close to Trey Smith, who is the right guard for Kansas City Chiefs, coming off of the Super Bowl. Uh, that's a mentor. That's a really good friend of his. I talked to Trey about Darnell at O-Line Masterminds this summer, and Trey had nothing but wonderful things to say. And just, especially not only from a physical standpoint, which obviously Darnell Wright has gotten, it has improved upon given what Ryan Pohl said about him today, but from a mental standpoint, this guy, Darnell Wright has an incredible amount of mental fortitude already. And that's what you need in a rookie that's going to be thrust into a starting role right away. So that was really cool for me to hear from a a guy that's very well respected. I mean, Trey, Trey Smith is one of the best guards in the league. And to hear him say that about Darnell Wright, it was pretty cool. I loved it. Yeah. I loved every second of it. And I really do love you know, we get a research packet from the, uh, from the NFL. They'll send it to us usually around this week. And, you know, it has, you know, all the notes that you want going into training camp and it has everybody's depth chart. And I remember last year looking at the bears depth chart, especially on the offensive line. And there was way, way too many question marks, way too many. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to play here or what, or what's going on. Like even to the point of like Braxton Jones playing left tackle, People took that as a like, well, they're just trying him out. Like he's not really going to start at left tackle. That'll be Riley Reeves position or whatever it was going to be, even though he ended up being the guy this season. And we've talked about this, but like having that concrete offensive line, I think is just a huge edge. And, you know, you were talking about the linebacker position, how deep it is. I really think it's a benefit and it obviously, but like, it's a huge thing for the bears to like have their lines solidified. They might not be. The, uh, the the early 2000s Dallas Cowboys or last year's Eagles or anything like that. But I think it's a good line that knows what they're supposed to do, and I think that's nothing but a positive. Yeah, and again, giving these guys continuity and then letting them play next to each other and get valuable reps next to each other so they all know how you know where they need help, where the guy next to them needs help, how the guy next right. to them plays. Like when they slide protection down here, what that guy needs to do versus what that guy needs to do. Like everyone knows each other's jobs now because they all know what jobs they're doing. And that is going to allow five guys to work as one, which is the key to good offensive line play. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for them. Uh, In all my conversations with Tevin Jenkins, you know, that was one of the things that he keyed in on. I just, we just kept talking and talking and talking about the continuity and how much more that's going to help them this season and, and, and do what's expected of them. I love that. And, and I also want to go to O-Line Masterminds next year. It's, it's so much like, fun. Oh, I need it to be a so part of that. There's a it's, lot of things. Great. I, uh, by the way, before we uh, start taking questions from the crowd, I do want to take a little, I uh, take an opportunity to talk a little bit about some fantasy football stuff. And I want to let everybody know that the best way 
to play fantasy football. It's with Underdog Fantasy. It's easy to play. It's easy to get started. All you got to do is go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet, download the app. Uh, it goes right onto your phone. You don't have to worry about anything. And when, and when you sign up using the promo code SICK, Underdog will double your deposit, your first deposit up to $100. And fantasy season is getting underway. And as, and as a matter of fact, the SICK podcast team is going to be doing a couple of leagues uh, through Underdog Fantasy. As a matter of fact, anybody who's ever wanted to go against me, like I'd love to play you in fantasy, you're going to get an opportunity. We are going to have a we're going to have a league for the fans uh, where you can go out there and put me in my place. I know recently I put out my top five quarterbacks for fantasy football. I had Justin Fields higher than a lot of people thought. Uh, a lot of Eagles fans or just people who love Jalen Hurts got into their feelings uh, because like how why. Why do you think that Justin Fields is going to be so good? Like, well, I'm optimistic that DJ Moore is going to have the impact that, you know, guys like Stephon Diggs and and uh, and and AJ Brown had for 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 Hurts. And by the way, Justin Jalen Hurts is not rushing as ever, as much as everybody says like Justin Fields is not rushing for a thousand yards this season. Jalen Hurts is not rushing for 13 touchdowns. He's going to have some regression, and I think that with some of the moves that they made offensively. Um, his numbers will drift back a little bit. Listen, it's all it's all very close. You know, like if, if I have Jalen Hurts at six instead of four, like how much does that really impact your life? But listen, fantasy football is very personal. So underdog fantasy is the way to go. Go ahead and go sign up. Get ready to join a league with us. And are you ready to take some comments from or some questions from the crowd, Carmen? Sure am. Sure am. Let's do it. Let's do it. What do we got, Sammy? Where do you see the defense finishing this year, top 10, even as the most optimistic of the all of, of all Bears fans and all Bears media? Top 10's a little steep for me. I think they can be improved. I think they can get the middle of the pack. Top 10, that seems a little, it's a little, even for me, Carmen, even I got to be realistic. I don't know that we get that. I'm, I'm proud of you, Adam. I'm proud of you. The The key with stuff like this, again, is to remember where the Bears are coming from. And they finished last or close to last in most major defensive categories last year. Mm-hmm. So even an improvement into the top 20 would be enough. And again, we talk about the focus of this offseason for the Chicago Bears was the offense because they want to get an evaluation on Justin Fields figure out if he's the quarterback of the future. And so all of their efforts and their focus were on the offensive side of the ball. They did make some moves on defense, obviously with the linebackers, Jermaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, but that wasn't their focus. And so there's still a lot of holes on that side of the ball. We just talked about it. You need a better defensive line rotation. You need some pretty good, like you need a much better edge rotation as well. And you could use a lot of depth in the secondary. You could probably still even use linebacker depth at this point. So I just don't see them being able to put it all together. I think this year's success looks like offensive production for the Chicago Bears. I'm not even going to go so far as to say wins. I just think they need to put points on the board. And the defense is going to be addressed this next offseason when they put everything all together finally. Yeah, especially with two first-round picks next year. If, if, If neither one of them need to be used... On uh, although I, I won't rule out I won't rule out Marvin Harrison Jr. or anything like that or even uh, oh, unfortunately I I hope we don't have to use it on a quarterback right. but if the Bears are able to progress offensively like the way that we want them to both of those picks one of them have hopefully 
way higher than the other uh, will be used on defense and to go out and to address some of those positions. But I think that it's also important to note that when you're talking about total defense, that's usually based on yardage, which to me, yeah. I feel is like one of the worst ways to really evaluate a defense. Yeah, that's like, true. The, the categories that you want to do, I think scoring defense is important, but it's also like yeah. not the biggest thing. It's like third down, like getting off the field on third down, red zone percentage. If the Bears can improve on third down, making teams punt. Fourth down. They were, I think where they were the worst on fourth down. Fourth down. Like, yeah, that too. Like they like, were, yeah. You want to go into a position where you're like, when a team's going for it on fourth down, you're not like, oh, crap. Here we go. We're going to get that. Great. Yeah, they weren't great in goal to go. They weren't great in the red zone. They weren't great on a per – I I always do look at a per play. I, I, I like looking at the per play stats. So, like, how many yards are you allowing per play? Because I think that tells you a lot more than yards per game because that can fluctuate based on the team, based on the scheme that you're playing, all that other stuff. But if you're looking at a per play basis – um, but that's and that's why I said like they finished near the bottom or at the bottom. They were of that terrible. Major defensive category. <laughs> Not just nothing, yardage. There was nothing like yeah. There was nothing where you could uh, be optimistic about. And there are some teams, you know, where you're like, okay, like defensively they're not great or whatever. But you're like, well, they were third against the run. Because you get a lot of that too. We're like, well, this team was like third against the pass last year. You're like, but they were thirtieth against the run. That meant that everybody ran on them. Like that, you don't like that either. Like, no. look at third downs. Like, get off the field on third and fourth down. Hold them to some field goals instead of touchdowns. And I think yeah. those kind of improvements will help the Bears. And you even saw, like, there were times last year uh, in games against Miami and Dallas, like where they were giving up a ton of points, but they would still make a stop. And Minnesota was like this too, where you're like, they would make a stop. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. But that's where the offense needs to come to pick it up. Now, you would hope right. you don't want to always be in a position where, well, the offense has got to score in the two-minute drill every game. You don't want that as well. So if the defense can just, just – minor improvements. Minor – get off the field on third and fourth down. Less yeah. field goals, and I think that would be good. And I think that's a realistic goal. So top yeah. 10 defense, it's not going to happen. All right. Yeah. What else do we got, Sam? Oh, he's searching. Oh, my <laughs> God, Zachary. Uh, first of all, Zachary, thank you so much. Donation. Uh, hey, first of all, fan of both of you. Thank you. Uh, first live chat. Love to have you here. Uh, who do you think will have more of an effect on the offense, Bobby T or Foreman? You know what? I got to say this about Deontay Foreman is that I really like, I, I think that he's a good running back. And I was talking to some guys. I was doing a show in Carolina and we were talking about the DJ Moore trade. And I brought up Foreman and I said, listen, I go last year, his five 100 yard games. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but his five 100 yard games in half a season in replacing Christian McCaffrey, who was traded to the 49ers that matched with the bears did. And so I, I think there's some ability there. So I really like him. And I think that he could have a huge impact. And I think that people kind of overlook him because obviously people love Khalil Herbert for what he was doing mm -hmm. last year. They love the unknown with Roshan Johnson, but it's like Foreman is proven to be a pretty good option. Yeah, I think I would have to, as far as who's going to have more of an impact, just because of the fact that Deontay Foreman is in such a crowded running back room at this point, which is a good problem to have, unless you're a fantasy player. Uh, they have this running back by, rota by, by committee um, rotation available to them, and then 
Now you look at a guy, though, like Bobby Tunyon, who is was a very reliable target for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. He's going to provide a lot of those short to intermediate, you know, routes that are going to now be available to Justin a little bit more than they were perhaps with Cole Komet, who was a blocking tight end in college that they were trying to make into a combo tight end. Now Cole Komet can be that combo tight end without actually having to have all of the onus in the receiving game on him. Because as we've said, and I've said so many times before, like Bobby Tunyon is number 18 now. There are no question marks as to what he is here to do. He is here to catch the football and he is going to be another weapon for Justin Fields. And I just think that in those third down situations, like the third and short where you need those yards, like he is going to be invaluable for Justin Fields because he's going to be a really quick, like quick short passes that Justin, that's going to be able to get Justin out of trouble. And I just, I think that that's going to go a long way with this offense. And especially given the fact now that you can deploy more, 12 personnel and and try and kind of do like Luke Getzey comes from that line of yeah. thinking from Green Bay of like you know deploying 12 personnel maybe more often than I mean the Packers do it more than anybody in the league I think other than the Seahawks but yeah so yeah. then you finally have the the personnel to do kind of that stuff with and that's all because of Bobby Tunyon so I just I think he's going to do really well I love the fact that 18 doesn't block like it just like if George Kittle wore 18 you're like yeah this guy that doesn't make sense like, go put on 85. He could wear a number in the 40s as well. Like, I think his college number yeah. in Iowa was 46. But then, I, but then I would think he was a fullback. If he's wearing 40s, I'm like, you're a fullback, man. Or you're at least you're a U. You're a U tight end if you're ah, a fullback. Yeah, like use <laughs> check. If you're, in the, if you're in the 40s, yeah. Yeah, you could put use check. Like, use check catches the ball so well. He he might be able to get away with for the Green Bay Packers a couple of years ago now goes by Bob and Bobby Tenney because of me on the fantasy show. I really, I, I will go to my, I will fight people on this. Like, I feel like I started that and I love, I love, love hearing people say it in the media now. Cause I'm like, we, we did that. We did that. I don't listen. I don't do a lot. I mean, society. Aaron Rodgers also called him Bob, but no, 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 nobody listens to him. I was calling him <laughs> Bobby Tunyon and now it just stuck. And so uh, I'll take my victory lap here. Uh, how about another question, though, Sammy? If we got one, if not, don't force it. Uh, Ronnie, what's going on? Adam, what do you think? Uh, do you think Justin will throw for 4,000 yards this season? You know what? I did mention this earlier in the show. If you want to go to my TikTok, if you want to uh, TikTok at Adam Rank, my Instagram at Adam Rank NFL, uh, we're, we might be changing that at some point in the future as well. Uh, my agent doesn't like that. They're like, eh. I'm like, okay. But in any event, um, we talked about this. Justin Fields, would have to average 235 yards roughly per game, which he did once last season. But now there is a different element, having DJ Moore there, less running, more throwing. I believe, I love that Justin Fields has the confidence. There is something to be said about, like, I don't really want you to have to throw for 4,000 yards because it, it it's not always a good reason why you're throwing for 4,000 yards. I think if you're throwing for 200 yards a game, but we're winning, that to me is more important. But I do love the fact that he has the confidence in that. So I would, I believe him. I back him. If uh, if one of my kids came up to me and said, listen, I want to be a sideline reporter or anything, I would totally back them up and do everything that I could to make them be successful. But ultimately, uh, I just want them to be happy and be realistic. And uh, so... I'm going to let Justin talk about that and say like, okay, if Justin says he can do it, he can do it. That's where I'm going to leave it at. How about you, Carmen? Oh, I have thoughts. 
And oh. I probably got in trouble from, I was on Chicago television on Sunday night. I was on Fox 32 uh, oh, and I had, to, I had to talk about this and I probably didn't make any friends. <laughs> Hear me out. No, he's not getting to 4,000 yards. And that is not an indictment on him as a quarterback. It is the, it is more to do with the system that he's in, the skill set that he has. If you want him to throw for 4,000 yards, you are going to drastically have to take back how much he rushes the football. And that is not playing to his strengths, especially in an era where defenses are getting smarter and smarter. To have a quarterback with the rushing capability that Justin Fields has, you want to lean into that as much as possible. I know he doesn't want to necessarily rush for 1,000 yards every season, but keep in mind, there has never been a quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards and rush for 1,000 in NFL history, ever. It's never happened. And... Josh Allen has gotten close twice. He's thrown for 4,000 yards and rushed for 750 or more. But to like, even in Cam Newton's MVP season, he did not run for or rush or he did not throw for 4,000 yards. Jalen Hurts last year, who made it to the Super Bowl, did not throw for 4,000 yards. So if you're following this, you want Justin Fields to take the Jalen Hurts year three leap. That does not include 4,000 yards passing. It just doesn't. You can get the same thing done if you rush at or near 1,000 yards and throw for 3,200 to 3,600 yards. I'm fine with that. That is what plays to Justin Fields' skill set. But to put yourself, to, to put those expectations on yourself is borderline irresponsible on his part just because of the fact it's never been done before and you don't need to do it to be successful. That's the main takeaway I want people to have. He, does, he can be a fantastic top 10 pro bowl first future hall of fame quarterback and never eclipse 4,000 yards. If he keeps up his rushing capabilities. I understand that. And, uh, Jalen hurts last year. I wanted to look this up. Actually, I was on Twitter slamming you. No, um, Latin. I, I would have, um, last year, Jalen hurts had 3,700 passing yards. How many games did he miss at the end of the season? Two, three, like two, I Gard- think, yeah. Gardner, Gardner Minshew had a, like, could, could Jalen hurts have had, 300 yards in those two games, maybe like, is he, was he an on pace guy? It's a, it's a tough situation because I, I agree with the essence of what you're saying. And I also agree with like, I understand that Justin Fields wants to go out this and make this a priority. I don't think that we have to, I did make a joke that, you know, 4,000 passing yards is our second biggest rival next to the green Bay Packers. <laughs> and it's fine. And it's, 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 uh, it's, and it sucks. I just to have- don't want him to put. I don't want him to like put that expectation of him out in the universe. Like, also, yeah. he had what twenty two hundred yards last season. Like, can we work on getting to three thousand before we start talking about four? Yeah, I mean that, that that's 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 probably that's gonna piss some people off me, me saying that much. But at the same time, like, don't don't put expect extra expectations on yourself, especially when this is such a prove it year for Justin Fields. Like, I don't want anyone walking away from a, if, if if Justin Fields throws for 3,200 yards and gets close to a thousand rushing yards and scores, you know, 26 to 30 touchdowns. That's a phenomenal year. I feel so good about Justin Fields. You know, if if that's, and I don't want anyone walking away from that being like, Oh, he didn't get to 4,000 yards. So that wasn't really a good quarterback season. No, it's just not the system that he's in. It's not the skills that he has. So I, you know, I, I think there's also something. And one of the things that perhaps could have motivated him, to say such a thing is, I mean, he's got to hear the fact that like he gets degraded as a running back who plays quarterback. 
And I think there's probably going to be some part of him that's like, I want to prove to people that I can throw the football and that I played, mm-hmm. I can play quarterback. This I wish he wouldn't. I wish this wasn't a big thing to him. But again, like he said it, he put it. If he had not talked about it, I would never bring it up. But he brought it up. Yeah. And now I got to back him up again. Was like, I know. Okay. I'm like, don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Like, don't bring, don't, it. Bring, don't, it up. don't bring it up. I think if he, if you, if you have four thousand scrimmage yards, five thousand scrimmage yards, who's hair? Who cares how you get there? I uh, just right. get there. But I think that there is something about like he's got to hear it, and he's got he's probably tired of it. And I think a lot of quarterbacks similar to him who hear this all the time including Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and some of these guys, like they hate being labeled as running quarterbacks and want to prove like, Hey, I can throw the football. And so I can understand his mindset of where he's coming from, but similar, but also I agree with you. Like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the barometer of whether his career is, is season success. And that's the thing. I think we're seeing a shift too. Like, from generations past, I, we've been used to these guys that are pocket passers. And, you know, Tom Brady is going over 5,000 yards every year. And, yeah. like, not every year, but, like, he's, you know, he did that multiple times in his career, had multiple 5,000-yard seasons. I feel like those things, that's a thing of the past these days. And you want to have a more balanced split from your quarterback because of the fact that defenses have gotten so advanced and so smart that you have to keep them guessing somehow. And I feel like it's now – kind of coming back around where it shouldn't have this negative connotation if you don't reach 4,000 yards, especially if you're contributing meaningful rushing yards on a per game basis. So I just, I think that we're in for a little bit of a reckoning as to what a successful season for a quarterback is period. And I don't think that it includes getting close or surpassing 5,000 yards to be like a hall of famer. That's the thing of the past. Cause then you have to throw 50 times a game and that's just, no one, no one can do that in this day and age with the defenses, with defenses, how they are. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to, you know, when you look back at like Michael Vick, I always, the, the, in thinking of his seasons in Philadelphia playing for Andy Reid, like it was always so special. Like when he needed to, like when the, uh, when the Washington football team called him out and he goes out on Monday night and throws a bomb to Deshaun Jackson to start a game. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to see from Justin yeah. is breaking Great. teams will breaking their spirit with deep bombs and deep runs. And like, even if he doesn't develop as an underneath passer, like, I don't care. Like, as long as you're getting the job done, like go get it done. But once he said it, once he said 4,000, then I got to back, then I got to back him up. It's like your buddy. Like, I didn't want him to get into this fight at a bar, but it's like, well, we're here now. So we're in it and I'm throwing haymakers, but uh, we'll see. I think there's other ways to measure success for Justin Fields. It's not going to come down to 4,000 yards. Uh, how about another question, though, Sammy? Uh, question for Adam. In a quarterback-driven lead, looking at the Bears' schedule, I can see losses to Mahomes and Herbert. Uh, is the Bears' 15-2 and two season possible? We're not losing to the Chargers. What do you think? No. Um, listen, there's a – oh, uh, there he is. Uh, I love the optimism. I, I said this on a show recently where – not necessarily this one. It's like, you know, being a fan is irrational, almost borderline mm-hmm. irresponsible. I can't believe that I've made my kids root for the Angels, the Bears, and Arsenal. Like, what what three mm-hmm. awful teams of, like, never living up to expectation type of situations. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've really done some damage to my kids. And it's the one thing, though, is that being a fan, as irrational as it is, have some hope, have some optimism. Like, I'm... I will concede that the that the Chiefs are a better team than the Chicago Bears right now. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, I, I'm not going to just expect to lose to the Vikings 
or the Lions. They probably will, but I'm like, I'm not conceding that to you. I'm not giving up on that. Like, why do I, why do I have to concede that ground? I don't, I don't need, I mean, I guess I do like being in the media, but I think people know me by now. Like, I don't need to concede that. And if you are a fan and you want to go out there and believe that we're going to win 15 games, don't let anybody talk you out of that. Don't, <laughs> don't let anybody rain on your parade. Like, it's like, it's like when anybody who likes pineapple on their pizza, if you don't like pineapple on your pizza, I don't need to know. Like, just, I'm going to sit here and have a Hawaiian piece and I'm going to enjoy it because it's delightful to me. I like salty and sweet. And that's my thing. I don't, I don't need you to show up to my table and be like, this, this pizza is disgusting. Like who asked you? So if you want to believe, if you believe the bears are going to win 15 games, I'm not talking you out of that. I made my predictions. It's a matter of record. Do you do what you got to do and don't let Carmen talk you out of it either. <laughs> I love how that question was specifically addressed to Adam because yeah, they were not, they were not bringing they're like, she's, yeah, well, I'm like, she's, that's a waste of time with her. And it's true. I mean, I'm, I'm paid, I am paid to be very objective, as objective as possible, and to be as realistic as possible. So, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the times that means I play the Debbie Downer card. But I don't mean it. It's just I'm trying to be fair to to, to all teams. And, we all know, we all have critical. our roles. I am I'm not paid for such things, and they know what <laughs> to expect by now. Um, is there another question before we wrap this up, Sammy? I don't want to miss anybody in case uh, Lucas. What's going on? Question. There's been a lot of talk about what a good season would look like for the bears. Uh, what would you guys consider a failure for this season? Uh, I know that carbon and I both differ on where we will fall or what, how many wins we'll have. I will say this is the number one key. This is the number one measure of success. This is probably the only thing that matters for this year is if at the end of the 2023 season, if we definitively know that Justin Fields is our quarterback of the future, there is no doubt, there's no skepticism, then nothing else matters. And we could we could win three games again. But if Justin Fields is out there, and I, I mean, it would, it would be a little bit difficult because it would, it would be some losses that shouldn't be there. But I think that as long as we understand that Justin Fields is our quarterback of the future, I think that's the most important thing. And Carmen, I would ask, uh, what do you think? Yeah, it's the it's the inverse of what I think is a successful season. And a successful season for the Chicago Bears is what you just said, knowing that Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future because you've put up points on offense. Now, I could very much see a Lions type of season for the yeah. Chicago Bears this year where they start out and the offense is averaging I don't I don't we'll see, but like for the Lions, they were averaging 35 points a game to start the season. Yeah. The defense was giving up 35.1. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like that, that, no. that, those are the numbers through the first no. three games of the season last year. And then even up until about Halloween when they um, ended up firing their secondary coach, which kind of turned a lot of stuff around, weirdly enough. But it was it was the offense. It wasn't the offense's fault, but, but they were still losing games. And I could see that kind of similar thing happening with the Bears because I feel like the defense is so far away from where Eberflus and the rest of the team want it to be. If the offense is putting up points and Justin Fields looks like he has a really good command of the huddle and they are winning, they're either, they're putting up points because of him. I don't want to say winning. If they're putting up points because of Justin Fields and it's a more even split between passing and rushing for him, that is a success. So a failure would be Justin Fields not progressing seeing the same thing out of him from the passing game this year and the offense still not being able to score points. 
that, that would be a failure to me. That would be it. And it's basically, I, I know it's very simple and it's not, it's not, you know, a sexy headline or anything like that, but I think it really does come down to the quarterback. I think that's for a lot of teams too. Carolina, the Colts, even the Houston Texans, like is your quarterback good? Is your quarterback, the quarterback of the future? Cause that sets you up for runs in the future. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for being here tonight. Carmen, you said that you were down in Jacksonville. What do you got in yeah. store for us on the uh, foxsports.com? Well, I'm currently making my way through training camp previews. Um, Bears just went up today. So then tomorrow I will finish out with the Vikings, I believe is the last team I have to do. And then, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be at Jags camp. So I'll have some content from Jags camp. I'm going to check in with a few of my guys that I know from Tampa that are now on staff there. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, just, I mean, camps are starting. There's storylines all over the place. So just keep it locked to foxsports.com. Absolutely. She does great work for foxsports.com. And in addition to that, uh, I have just completed my state of the franchise series for nfl.com that you can go check out. If you go to nfl.com slash rank, I preview every team in the NFL. NFL Fantasy Live will be returning in the middle of August. But until that time, check out my social media if you have any other questions. I'm also available on Cameo if you ever want me to determine your draft order do anything like that. And uh, of course we'll have another edition of the sick podcast with Adam Rake coming up next week. As we do take it to the rank with a little bit more information, a little bit more clarity with the way the bears are moving forward. So for Carmen, I am Adam. And until next time, bear down, Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Adam rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.